Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. Hi there once again, Mike Kapler here, the Growing in Grace podcast. Our worldwide audience tuning in once again, wherever you access podcasts. And don't forget, all of our past 16 plus years of programs can be found on our flagship website of growingingrace.org. I feel, have you ever had somebody yawn and then it makes you want to yawn? Well, I feel like clearing my throat right now because right before we came on, Joel was trying to clear his throat. He was kind of coughing. Now I, I feel like I need to do it, even though... I don't. Are you okay now? It's a reflex, yeah. And um, they say that... Better than a reflux. (laughs) Well, what I had was almost a reflux. (laughs) I swallowed my coffee down the wrong tube. That's TMI right there, (laughs) man. You got to watch that coffee stuff. That's... uh... And some people, they and, just keep and, going back to their old wicked ways. And drink it down, man. Drink it down. <laughs> but yeah, they say that um, the yawn reflex, dogs, when your dog sees you yawn, your dog will yawn too because your dog I, has empathy. I tried that out. <laughs> I, I actually did that. This was probably a year or two ago. <laughs> but I, I thought, I, I knew it worked with humans because I've done it before. Uh, and I just watched people yawn after me. And I'm I'm a pretty good yawn faker. I can make myself <laughs> yawn. So I tried it with the dog, and yeah, it it worked. She just sat there and started yawning at me. Mike Kapler, the yawn faker. <laughs> well, that's how you'll be I known. Know. It's all those years I spent in church. I have no problem <laughs> yawning. Yeah, and those weren't fake. <laughs> that, was, that was real. <laughs> <laughs> no, or, or you know what's worse than uh, a fake yawn is trying to hold in a real one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying to keep your mouth closed. So no one can tell you're yawning. Yeah. Yeah, those I mean, are tough. I, I held some of the longest notes during praise and worship <laughs> than anybody in the church. Well, <laughs> yeah, though, I hear you. I hear you. We, um, hey, I guess we got some gospel stuff to talk about. Okay. Okay. Here, here <sighs> fun. There, I just had to get that yawn out. See if, I, see if, <laughs> we'll see if it transmits across the an MP3 file. We'll see if anyone out there is listening if they yawn when they just heard me yawn. So, God <laughs> justifies the ungodly. We were talking about that last week. Um, it's, it's not, it's not righteous people who need a doctor. You know, it's not healthy people who need a doctor. It's the sick. You know, people need. The Lord. Everybody does. I got an email recently, actually, from somebody who was reading Romans 1. and Romans one twenty eight. it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, or to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not fitting. And this person asked me, so can a reprobate be saved? You know, a person with a reprobate or a debased mind, can that person be saved? And my response was, that is who God saves. This this whole thing, um, Romans 1, and I really didn't mean to go down this trail, but I think it's actually it actually fits kind of what we're wanting to talk about here, that in, in Romans 1, the second half of Romans 1, Paul talks about all these things that people do. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. That's Romans 1.18. 
And Paul goes on from Romans 1.18 all the way through the rest of chapter 1 and into chapter 2 and all in half or more of chapter 3 talking about the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. You know, the ungodliness and unrighteousness, that's the reason why the gospel was needed. Because just previous to this, in verse 16 and 17 of of Romans 1, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. It's easy to skim right by that. But in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For as it, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. It's God's righteousness that's revealed in the gospel. But what that's contrasted with in these next two chapters is the unrighteousness of men or self-righteousness. There's a lot of self-righteousness, a lot of people thinking, if I'm just good enough, I can be right with God. But Paul puts a lot of that to rest by sharing all of these things that evil people do, all of these things ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, all these acts of ungodliness and unrighteousness. And what he's saying here is that it's all of humanity that fits into this, apart from Christ, of course, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. So through creation, God has shown us who he is. And he and he, he goes on for a couple of chapters here talking about how all of these things that people do, there is nobody righteous. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. Uh, There is no one who does good, no, not one. I'm in chapter 3 now of Romans. But Paul has gone through all of this, you know, talking about the, the person with the reprobate mind or the debased mind. That person, all of these, is included in all of humanity. Everybody is included in this same sinking ship, and the gospel is the answer for everybody. Whatever sins anybody has ever committed, we haven't all done exactly the same things, but whatever sins anybody has ever committed, the gospel is the answer to that. And so Paul sums it up by saying, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin, that's Romans 3.20, but now the righteousness of God, he gets back to the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God apart from the law, is revealed. And it's the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So all of these people who Paul has previously been talking about, who did all these bad things, the ungodliness and unrighteousness of man, all of these people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but by faith... You can be justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That is the gospel. That's why the gospel is good news. Yeah, you know, in in those passages there in Romans, it's so easy to get confused if you're just into versology and, and you miss the context that Paul is trying to lay out over a period of chapters, not just verses. Um, you, you see where there were religious hypocrites, especially, you know, from the Jewish community who were under the law, telling other people to keep the law that they themselves weren't keeping. 
Paul's point was you, you need to be a doer of the law to be justified. Well, there were no doers, as you said, Joel, and in Romans 3, Paul went on to explain that. There were no doers. Everybody fell short. Whether Jew or Gentile, everybody fell short. Whether you were under the law or not, you were in big trouble. You, you, and that's why righteousness, right standing with God, eternal life, those things had to be gifted, uh, and that would come through the avenue of belief in Christ. I'm thinking back to uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 5, where Jesus said, I, I tell you this. Now, he's talking to people, he's, he's been talking about the law here, the commandments, and, and saying that people tend to want to relax them. People want to try and water them down. Uh, that's true today as it was back then. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Your righteousness, your righteousness needs to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, or you'll never get in. So this was a, a bad news sermon because the Pharisees, they were like the, the pinnacle of righteousness in the minds of the Jewish people. I mean, these were Bible believers, maybe not believers in Christ, but they were Bible believers, and they thought they would find life through those scriptures. But they refused to come to the one that could give them life that the scriptures bore witness to, Jesus. So this isn't about our righteousness. Now, it was while Jesus was talking to these people under the law, he was trying to help them see that your righteousness is going to have to reach a point that is beyond what you are already thinking. <laughs> mm -hmm. Your righteousness, what you do to become righteous, is going to be a, a very tall thing to try to climb. You know, we're talking about self-righteousness here. Yeah, this is why Jesus earlier in the sermon said that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall see God. Well, they're not blessed any longer because they hunger and thirst for righteousness, but because they would eventually discover righteousness as a gift found through Jesus Christ. Once you come to the gift, once you receive the gift, once you have righteousness, and we have become the righteousness of God as believers in Christ, once you have arrived there, we no longer hunger and thirst for righteousness. Like Jesus said, he who comes to me shall never hunger or never thirst. But for those on the outside looking in, like the Jewish people were at the time of Jesus' ministry on the earth, they were hungry and thirsty for righteousness. They just couldn't attain it through what they did. Right. But they were thinking they could. You know, Romans 10 talks about how the Jews, you know, they had this zeal for God, but it was without knowledge because they were trying to attain righteousness through the law by their works. They were trying to zealously attain righteousness by what they did. But actually, they had no clue what God's righteousness really was, because God's righteousness, again, only comes to us as a gift, and that's what they had to learn. And that's part of what Matthew 5 was about, this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus really laying down the law, really telling these people what the law really says, and them saying, you know, I just can't do this. That was the hope, that they would say, I can't do this. I need righteousness some other way, because I can't do it by myself. And so the law was a tutor, a schoolmaster, to point to faith. And then when a person comes to faith, having realized, I just can't do this law thing, then they're no longer under the tutor because they've come to faith and they've been born again and they've received Christ as their life. And so you were in Matthew 5 and then jumping ahead to Matthew 21, Jesus is talking to the religious folk. Well, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him, and they were going back and forth with some things. And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, uh, I say to you, this is Jesus talking to the chief priests and elders, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors, and they were kind of the scum of the earth at the time, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots, tax collectors and prostitutes, 
enter the kingdom of God before you. Now remember what I was saying earlier about how God justifies the righteous people, those who do good. No, God justifies the ungodly. That's what Paul says in Romans 4. God justifies the ungodly, and it's by faith. It's not because they they start doing right things. It's not because these tax collectors and harlots would change their ways. Although, it's a good thing when a person comes to Christ. It's a good thing for you to change your ways, so to speak. If, if you've been doing bad things, it's good to turn around and do good things. But that's not what saves you. That's not what justifies you. But Jesus says, For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. The point here is that it's by belief. It's by faith that we're justified. How does uh, our righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees? Well, it's a righteousness that we receive freely as a gift from God, his very own righteousness. That's how we uh, end up with a righteousness that exceeds all of that self-righteousness because it's God's gift to us. Well, those people who had been ungodly people and then were gifted with God's righteousness... Now, what do we do? You know, I talked about how it's good, of course, to you know turn from bad ways to good ways. But do we do that by the law? Do we do that through the efforts of the flesh? We began in the spirit, but are we perfected by the flesh? Paul called people foolish who tried to go back to the law, which is the efforts of the flesh in order to be perfected. We'll talk about that next week on the Growing in Grace podcast. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.